As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. It's time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, again, as part of our 2019 Champions Interviews, we are proud to have the 2019 NHRA Sportsman Motorcycle Champion on the phone with us tonight. Jim Weary from Washington is uh, is on the phone with us. Jim, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Couldn't be better. Uh, really excited to to get on here and talk to you about your championship season. And I, I gave it up a little bit. I told the state you're in, but I always like to let the listener know like where the, the caller or the interviewee is, is talking to us from tonight. So what part of Washington are you in, Jim? Uh, right out of Seattle, Washington. Uh, not, not very far from uh, Seattle, probably half an hour south of Seattle. Okay, half an hour south of Seattle. And, um, you know, for all of us down here, like in Alabama or out, uh, east of the Mississippi, we always think it's raining there. Is it raining right now? It, you know, it is. It's a, no, it, yeah, it's raining here right now. It's, it's, it's always raining here. Our yep. race season is about four months long if we're lucky. Wow. Mm, that's rough. Yeah. It really sucks. Yeah. It's really <laughs> rough. What do you do for a living, Jim? I'm um, in construction, electrician. Okay. Good stuff. So um, your home track would be uh, Seattle? Uh, Pacific Raceways. Yeah, in Kent. Yep. Kent. All right. So I know uh, I know a few boys from out that way. You know, we know the, the plewards of the world and, um, you know, obviously uh, Steve Kelly, good buddy of mine. So yep. I guess you you've raced with those boys quite a bit, but yeah, great, great, great track, great racers. Yeah, but you're you're not. I guess your categories always racing motorcycle versus motorcycle, or do you guys venture over into the car races sometimes too? Uh, you know, uh, only on you know cash bashes, certain things like that. We get in with the cars. Certain tracks out here will allow us to race uh, 
since we're in electronics category, we can race Super Pro once in a while. Uh, certain tracks will let us do that, so we can race bike and and Super Pro. Um, but our home track usually don't allow. You have to go to a smaller track, and and the smaller tracks will do it to to get more racing gone. Okay, you usually have enough bikes show up to to have a good full field. Or um, no. It gets tough. We're we're eighteen to twenty two racers usually. Um, you know, ten years ago it seems like we had twenty five to thirty. Um, okay, depends on the the times. Um, we haven't even started racing this year with this whole COVID lockdown thing. So, oh um, yeah, we had one test and tune, and then everyone got locked down. So, um, uh. Me and a couple of buddies are traveling over to Idaho uh, Friday uh, to to go over to Idaho, Boise, to uh, get a test and tune in this weekend. What kind of ride will that be just to go test and tune, Jim? Eight hours, eight, eight and a half hour drive over to uh, Firebird and uh, beautiful track over there. Great place. We have uh, every probably four years we have our divisional finals over there and uh Awesome people, awesome track over there. Yeah, that place is a bucket list for me. I want to make the the Nightfire uh, Nationals. Yes, there. that that event looks really cool. I'm I'm going to make it one day. I got some good yeah, friends in good Idaho going to give too. me something to race. So, um, so that's good. Jim, and this ain't about me. This is about you, Jim. So my apologies. Give us a give us a brief rundown of how you got your start in racing, kind of the who, when, where, uh, of your racing history. Um, 2009, um, I, uh, a buddy of mine bought a new car and wanted to go out and test it at the track. And I followed him out there on my Honda Goldwing and, uh, seen the bikes running I seen all kinds of bikes there lined up and I walked, walked over and asked if I could run with them. And they told me I could. So I ran my Goldwing all day Saturday and came back Sunday. It was a double header, ran my bike all day Sunday and, uh, had so much fun that, uh, bought a Hayabusa the next week and came back the next weekend. So I raced my Hayabusa. Oh, very uh, good. Been hooked ever since. Yeah. Just, you know how it is. It just hooks you right in. And and what age were you when you started? Uh, that was I was that was ten ten years ago. So I was uh, forty four. Very cool. Well, when you said you were on a Honda Goldwing, I, I knew that you know you wasn't twenty two or eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I sure as shit wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so, and that's, I've interviewed a lot of people, Jim, a lot of people, and I ask them all about their start in racing. That's my first, well, I was on my gold wing and I showed up at the track and raced it all day and the next day. So very cool that you, you started out on a Honda, uh, gold wing. That's, that's great story. Yeah. It was, uh, you get hooked real quick out there, no matter what you come out to ride. Yeah, that is So, true. uh, we, we invite so many people and so many bikes and, get anyone that we can out there just to try it on their bike just once. And we know if we get them out there for a night that, uh, that we'll get them back. Excellent. Great stuff. So now we don't, we don't even pretend. We don't even act like we know anything about motorcycle racing on the podcast. So, you know, I, I'm going to ask you to go slow here. So, us, you know, regular ignorant, people can figure this out but tell us about your ride like what kind of bike it is and, and what's your power um, right now i'm just running uh kawasaki zx14 um and it's stock motor uh little 70 shot nitrous for plan b if i make a mistake i can always push the button to push someone out the back or to to make up for a problem um Bike is stock because uh, what we've found is that uh, it's hard to beat the factory on these mo- stock motorcycle motors, the Suzuki Hayabusa and the 14s, the Kawasaki's. I mean, we run 
thousands of passes on these stock motors and they beat the hell out of them and they just keep running. So uh, that's if, if they can do it so well from the factory, why mess with it? Really cool. Okay. So sound like a cool piece. And, uh, you know, you go out and win a national championship on that, uh, on that stock bike. That's, that's a cool story as well. Definitely have to uh, cheat a little bit and put all the electronics that we're allowed to have on there and a, a slider clutch. And um, we, we just went in our class in Division Six, uh, full electronics for delay boxes two years ago. Okay. So um, a lot of us started practicing with that and uh, put the delay box on. And so we're leaving off a button and um, letting it go and. That definitely uh, throws away a lot of the red lights that we used to have. Um, yeah, it's a helpful tool, Jim. <laughs> oh yeah, well, night and day difference. You know, when you can take out half your losses right there uh, by not having red lights, it makes such a big difference. Yeah, no doubt. What uh, what percentage of the people that you race against have? Uh, the same stuff. They have a delay box as well. You know, up here in Seattle, Oregon, I bet you it's only uh, probably 30%. It's getting more and more because it's only the last couple of years that we've had it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, probably 30 40%. Um, but just this year alone, I know of five guys that added it to their bikes. Okay. Um, so, so, so still today, it it's advantageous. I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone's figuring out real quick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, our, our first year in our division that it was allowed, uh, Riley Toth put it on his bike and went down to Pomona and won the championship, which was amazing because usually division six bikes don't win because we're, we run pro light up here most of the time. So when we go down there, if you put a delay box on, you're not used to it. You don't have it figured out. Riley did that and figured it out, and we all followed suit real quick. Okay. We'll follow the path of success there. That's a really good idea, Jim. And yeah. So as we mentioned to start the show, you were crowned the 2019 Sportsman Motorcycle Champion uh, in NHRA competition in Pomona. Um, you qualified, I assume, at Pacific Raceway. Yes, sir. Okay. Do they have a points program for the bikes alone? Yeah, we have a we have a couple points programs. So we have our uh, Super Pro, Pro Sportsman, and Motorcycle Series, and then uh, we also have a Wednesday Night Motorcycle Series. So we get to get extra racing in. Um, and I was lucky this year to win both those. Uh, 2017 and 18, I won our Motorcycle Series. Um, so I've I've been real lucky the last few years. Uh, prior to that, a lot, a lot of second place and third place. But I got a good friend of mine, Joe Lynn, to retire, so then I got to win. <laughs> well, it sounds like you, uh, you've been racing pretty well here for quite a few years. Uh, so you finished at the top of the points list at your home track, correct? Yes, and then uh, we uh, bring seven bikes over for a race of champions at the division finals, and um, still got in the race of champions, and uh, and that was at our home track this year. So we were, I was really lucky at home home track advantage. I was lucky to have that. Okay, so that was going to be my next question. Um, so when you go to the bracket finals, where was it? So obviously, it was at your home track, and the the winner of the race of champions race is who goes to Pomona to represent uh, your division. Yes, sir. So you beat the other six champions to earn the right to go to Pomona. That'd feel pretty darn cool. Well, so what they do is they, um, they, they actually, it, it's a lot bigger. It used to just be a race of, you know, the, the 17 tracks in our division would go for the race of champions. And now they have um, each track gets, can bring up to seven bikes or seven of, oh. of each. So, um, so okay. yeah, there, seven, uh, it was a seven-round race. 
seven bikes from each track is in the race of champions. Seven bikes from each track. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, totally was in the race of champions. So yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, so I don't know why they call it race of champions anymore. Um, but so it ends up being a pretty long race and, uh, that was, that's our Saturday race. Um, and, uh, that was, that was a pretty awesome race. I got to, one of the cool things is the very first year that I raced, um, 2009, our, uh, division finals was in Woodburn, Oregon, another great track. And that year that I went down there, um, and raced, I watched a guy named, um, Kevin Bromley win on his Honda 1000 and you just never see, uh, Hondas drag racing. Um, they're just far and few between. So met Kevin when he won that and we became friends, you know, you get to be friends with these guys every, uh, year when you get to run into each other on divisional. So we became good friends. So this year, uh, we were hanging out and, uh, and Kevin kept joking around saying it'd be me and him in the finals. And it was me and Kevin in the finals. And, um, man, we just had such a good time with it. And then, uh, it, it was just amazing. It was, it just couldn't have been better. I mean, you know, we would have been happy if either one of us won. Yeah, no doubt about it. That, uh, you know, especially for somebody that you, you've looked up to and watched win to, to go face him now and, and ultimately get the win. That had to be, extra cool um yeah. you know and you, so you you've beaten all these other bikes seven round race and you've beaten a guy that you consider among the best uh, and you've earned the trip when you know when that wind light comes on you've earned the trip to pomona uh, how was that feeling yeah. for you jim that was pretty amazing um that uh really weird feeling because it you, you don't know what it is you know until you're there you've seen other guys that you, uh, that you race with all the time, win it, you know, think good for them. 2015, uh, my best friend won it, uh, from when we were that Firebird raceway for the finals. So I went down to Pomona in 2015 with him. And, uh, so, you know, I knew it was a big deal. Um, but when you're someone's crew, it's a little bit different than when it's you. So it was a great deal, but my wife even, you know, came, uh, I think when I was in the semifinals, she came to, to watch, uh, she came over to Pacific. And so it was not only every person that you race with all year long, all your good, good friends and, and everyone there, but, uh, you know, my wife came to watch too, which, uh, which she's pretty bored of this drag racing by now. So, uh, everyone was there to watch. So I was, it was made me pretty, uh, choked up, pretty happy. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, for those of us out here, we tend to think just as a general rule that, okay, this guy's from Washington, the race is in California. So he just eased right over there to Pomona. He's he's close. He's This guy didn't have to go far at yeah. all. But it is a long way from Seattle to Pomona. How far was it? Yeah, that? it's uh, like 1,200 miles. Um, but it is so much better than what, you know, guys – when I was racing there with guys from Florida and I mean, talk about a trip, the guys from East coast that come over there and make that trip. Um, boy, that's a lot on, on those guys. You know, I took, uh, I took a couple weeks vacation, um, because I was going to enjoy this. This is a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I've seen people go down there with all the pressure of winning on their shoulders and not enjoy any bit of it. And I knew right away that I was just going to go down there and I was going to take in the whole experience and, uh, and have a good time. So I took a couple weeks off. Um, I went down there, um, a week early and stopped at Sacramento drag strip. They were having a test and tune a week early because our, our season's over at the end of August when we do our division finals, August 31st our season's over and stuff starts shutting down. It's hard to find a track to race in. So knowing that I had to be ready November 17th for Pomona with not getting a race in a couple months, uh, you know, it kind of leaves you out there. 
So yeah, I stopped sure. at Sacramento. Yeah, did a did a day of testing, made six passes in Sacramento the Saturday before. And then I went down and, and uh, visited my mom that lives down in Southern California. So I spent uh, four days down there enjoying visiting my mom and, and stepdad. And uh, then I went up to, and I did this all by myself just because I love just chilling and relaxing. And then I uh, went up and got my hotel and got settled and then had my best friend and my son. They flew in Wednesday. Um, so we got everything settled Wednesday. And then they got that big um, banquet Thursday night. Man, this thing was just amazing. It was just so cool. Yeah, that's what I hear from everybody that makes that trip. And it sounds like yours was extra special with getting some family and friends involved and uh, some extra days to relax and just soak it all in. But uh, tell us now, Jim, about the race itself. I mean, when you get to Pomona, they say that, you know, everybody says they treat you like royalty out there. Uh, so how was that experience? It, it was a lot of fun. They do. They take good care of you. They make sure, uh, you know, they come get you in your pit and, and bring you when you're up there to, to test and qualify and stuff. So, um, so you're not going to miss that stuff, even though I, I think one of the days that we were doing pictures or something, I damn near missed it because I really was having a good time. I was, <laughs> wasn't stressing out. I wasn't worried about winning. And, uh, and that put me in a great place. Um, the night of the banquet, they, they pick names on who you're racing, pick your names out of a hat. And, uh, that, that was interesting because out of all the guys, um, they, they name everyone and, and invite everyone up and talk about their passion. Dennis Stewart, um, they named him that, you know, and I said to my buddy, I said, that's the guy I don't want, you know, cause I, I built a full book uh, uh, a binder on everyone that i had to race um i was the first one to win before all the other divisions our race is done first so i just sit there and watch as all the other tracks are coming in and and winning so i knew who i was going to have to race who i was challenged against and uh man i watched i i took down everyone's information from how they ran all season and Dennis Stewart was a guy that was, he, he's a great racer. And when they pulled our names out of the hat and put me up against Dennis, I just turned to my buddy and went, like, can you believe that? The one guy I didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> Never fails. <laughs> That's drag racing though, isn't it? <laughs> yes, always, always. That's how it works. So obviously you got yeah. by Dennis and, you know, after a couple of days of time runs and you, you're in the actual event now and, you you get by a tough competitor in round one and obviously in round two. Now you're in the final. Who'd you face in the final, Jim? So in the final, I had uh, Jason Clampett, a uh, great guy, quiet guy. He was on, I was on the second slowest bike running five or nine, seven or nine fifty seven or something like that. Clampett was running like nine uh, sixties or uh, no, what was he run forties? I think anyway, um, so he was a little faster than me, but, um, most of the day I was leaving first or all day I was leaving first. So, um, so, but I knew our mile per hour were the same and, and I was dialing O2 below what I run. And so I got plan B just to, if I need it, you know, by the time we get to close to the finish line, knowing that I had the mile per hour with him, I could just push the button a couple of times and not have a problem. And, uh, and the whole time I was there, my lights were really good. I was 12s and 16s and no problem. And, and, you know, my first two rounds, I was breathing so hard, you know, being calm is something I never have a problem with when I'm sitting there lined up. When you pull through that, that passageway at Pomona, it does something to you. It gets the heart beating, mm. um, get, get you breathing really hard. And uh, I had to really just calm myself down. And each uh, round, you know, I just said, what are you doing? Calm down. So I, I cut good lights. And when I got up in the final with Jason, I was having so much fun that I was so calm that I cut like a 53 light, worst light in months. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I was lucky enough for him to go 005 red because uh, I just I was too calm. I think. Yeah, that happens sometimes, and you got to have some breaks. So obviously, the way the timing system works, when he goes red, your wind light lights up instantly. That's right. What was that feeling like, Jim, to know that you just collected the national championship? It was uh, un- it was really unbelievable. I mean, I, I just kept running it out and talking to myself in my helmet. You know, this is unbelievable. This is pretty cool, and uh, couldn't believe what happened. And then, uh, you know, you pull out, and then the way that the um, NHRA starts treating you when you pull out at the end, you know, they they are congratulating every single guy down there was just so amazing the gals at the ticket booth and i mean everyone is congratulating you so much just it it was unbelievable it was really overwhelming how great everyone was and uh and it starts right there and then they you know you're filling out paperwork all your winnings paperwork right there you know and i didn't have glasses with me i'm 54 years old i'm a blind old bastard filling out paperwork um (laughs) It's pretty funny. I started laughing for a minute. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, and, and then they parade you down right in front of the whole crowd. And I think that's uh, the coolest part where you just start getting paraded down in front of everyone. They stop and line you up and then they interview you. And looking at all my fellow bracket racers. And watching us all go through that was just a wonderful, wonderful experience to just say, look at this, you know, I'm with these guys. Yeah, it produces a lifetime of memories for sure, man. What a what a great story and uh, taking us through those feelings and how that all happened for you. Just really cool to listen to. Um, and, you know, I know racing is is at a halt right now. You just talked about driving eight hours to have to test and tune just to make some runs. But when things get started back for 2020, what, what are your plans? You you just going to do much the same? Yeah. I made sure that, uh, you know, every year I tear my bike apart and, and change something and do something this year. I didn't tear my bike apart, um, which was really hard for me to do because <laughs> I'm that guy. <laughs> but I said, hey, I'd have to be pretty stupid to tear this championship winning bike apart. <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> I expected to do it. Uh, but I didn't, and uh, just wait to get back racing uh, and, and just enjoy the season again. Um, what do you do from here? Yeah, I was so blessed last year, and truly, it's blessings. You know, you, you got to be lucky when you need it to get there because it's, it's truly timing and luck. Um, and this year I'm just going to enjoy it. I hope that we can get something soon. Uh, I hope that there's, that this won't take out some of those small tracks that, uh, are losing their livelihood. Yes. Yeah, we're all hoping that for them for sure and, and definitely looking forward to things um, getting back to some normalcy that we're we're accustomed to. And when that does happen, we are certainly wishing you the, the best and, and hoping you have another championship run, opportunity to uh, relive those same moments uh, in the 2020 chase. And, um, you know, appreciate you taking us down the the pathway has been been fun listening to that. Well, thank you very much for uh, spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. But uh, kind of lastly, but not all the way. Uh, you know, racing at that level, you know, with that kind of travel and that kind of dedication to racing, it it doesn't happen alone. I'm sure there's people that that help you along the way with your racing program, one way or another. Who's on that list for you, Jim? Well, first of all, um, my wife, because when I first uh, started in this, and you know, she said, you know, go buy a bike, and this is uh, my third one in ten years. The money that and the time, not just the money. The money's, you know, money's money, right? The time that you spend away uh, from your family, 
Um, again, in Washington, our race season is really May uh, through August, um, and we get a lot of rainouts in May. Uh, so every weekend that you get that's a nice weekend, you're going to one of the local tracks. Uh, and I mean local as in uh, Bremerton Raceway, my local track, Pacific Raceways, down to Oregon, to Woodburn Drag Strip, or you know, anywhere that you can to get a race and to race as much as you can in four months. And, you know, because of that, my wife loses all of her summer with me. Um, that, that's a lot to give up. And she keeps waiting for me to retire so she can start having summers. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, uh, this addiction's hard on the family. Yes, sir, it can be. But that, uh, and then friends, you know, I got buddies that just, you know, my buddy that, uh, Joe Linda taught me everything. Uh, first guy that, uh, teched my gold wing and we became best of friends. And I went down to Pomona with him in 2015 when he won. Uh, Joe is, you know, he's just been there and we've, uh, we've just had a blast together since I started this. So, uh, and and all the guys at the track and, and women, we have some great gal racers and it's just a, a blast. All the racers, it's just so much fun, such a family that uh, you become so close to all these people. Yeah, no doubt. It is definitely a family and uh, I know that everybody on that list that's been with you and helped you and supported you is super proud of the uh, accomplishment that you had in 2019 and Again, we uh, we're definitely proud of you as well, and thank you for taking us down that path with you and telling us all about your operation and your championship. But we are not quite done, Jim. Now, I don't know how much you get to listen to the podcast, but we got a little something we call rapid fire. When we're interviewing yes, someone, we typically spend the interview learning about their race and operation and, and history, but we don't get to know them quite as well. So this helps us get to know you. Now, we'll get to know who the Jim, the real Jim Weary is right here with these few questions. You okay with that? I'm okay. Go. All right. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Sunset. You, when you talked about how you like to relax when you were on that Pomona trip, I knew you were going to say sunset. So good, good answer. There was no bad answer there. Peanut butter and jelly yeah. sandwich or bologna sandwich? Well, peanut butter and jelly. Oh, good answer there, too. Jim, what is a hidden talent that you have that would surprise us to know about you? Uh, I mean, I have no hidden talent whatsoever. I can be a nice guy, and people don't know that. <laughs> so you hide that well, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what is the thing that annoys you the most? Poor sportsmanship. Oh, great answer. Really good. Jim, if you taught a subject in school, because basically you'd be an expert at it, what would that subject be? Oh, boy, I'm not an expert at anything. Um, <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Easy, Jim. You motorcycle guy. That's right. You're crazy. No, you got to be so crazy to do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of wild and crazy. I like it. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think they'll let you teach that in school, by the way. But anyway. No, they won't. Lastly. This helps me really get to know who you are. Tennis shoes, boots, or flip-flops? Um, boots for work and tennis shoes for play. Um, and I wear them about 50-50. Okay. But no flip-flops? No flip-flops. Love it. Flip-flops are terrible. No man should wear flip-flops, Jim. Well, yeah, I'm just not a flip-flop guy. Okay, good. Me either. I don't believe in them. Well, Jim, that's all the rapid fire. That helps me get to know a little bit more about who you are. And again, man, we really appreciate you taking some time for us tonight and taking us down your uh, your championship, running down your championship season for us. Congratulations. 
awesome accomplishment. Enjoy it. Uh, it was hard earned and you did everything you needed to do. So that's your championship forever. And, and we hope you, uh, we hope you really enjoy it and wish you a lot of success chasing the next one. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. You guys have a wonderful day. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Reasons to use BTE tune-up services. Number one, quick turnaround time. You won't be out of commission for half the season while you're waiting on your parts. Number two, unparalleled customer service and responsive communication. Reason number three, all brands of parts are accepted. It's not like they just work on BTE parts. Number four, BTE offers freight shipping discounts. They are located in the shipping capital of the United States near Memphis, Tennessee. And number five, reason to use BTE tune-up services. Quality work from knowledgeable technicians helps your system achieve peak performance. It's time for the big interview. On the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, as part of our 2019 Champions interviews, uh, we are really excited to have the guy you know as Ray Ray on the phone with us tonight. We've got the 2019 NHRA Super Comp Champion, Ray Miller III. Ray Ray, thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Our pleasure. Uh, took us a little while to, to get to you, but we're excited to talk about your 2019 championship season, one you chased really hard and, and chased for a few years and finally got it. And I'm, I'm excited to hear that story, but I always like to let the listeners know, you know where you are in the world tonight, where we're talking to you from. So where are you? Uh, right now, I'm sitting in the showroom at uh, at our shop where we build race cars. Just just got done work for the day, and I'm uh, just sitting here getting ready to go home. And the shop is where? Uh, Spring City, Tennessee. Spring City, Tennessee. And where are you sitting, like right now, exactly in the shop? You're in the showroom. You're just kind of sitting at a desk or something. Yeah, I'm pretty much just sitting at the at the meeting table in the showroom. Okay, just want to get a visual of you kick back, relax, and about to tell us about this amazing season you had. And I think we all know, Ray Ray, I mean, I think we all get it, but what do you do? How do you make your living? Uh, well, I work at the family business. I build race cars. That's uh, my main uh, main job. I, I assemble the cars, run the CNC machine, uh, take care of a lot of calls on the phones, things like that, uh, and our our, my family family business that my dad started. Uh, we build dragsters, roadsters mainly. Mm-hmm. Miller race cars, of course. Um, and yes. if I call if I call Miller race cars and talk to you, can you can take me start to finish? I mean, you price it up. Tell me how much it's going to be the whole deal, or are you just a pretty face, a great driver, and and, and a strong back in the shop? No. <laughs> No, I can pretty much take you from start to finish. Um, okay. I uh, not only do I do that part, but I can build them. I put them together. I can do pretty much any part of it. I weld them, fab them up, put bodies on them, whatever I need to do that day. And uh, it's, it's pretty much pretty much it. Whatever needs to be done that uh, that has to happen that day is is what my job is. So. Good stuff. So, so all the listeners out there knows if you call Miller Race Cars and you talk to Ray Ray, he take you start to finish. He's part of the build, and then when you get to the track, uh, I think he's got pretty good track record and can lead you down a, a path to getting some win lights, too. So that's good to know, Ray Ray. Now we, we've got a better understanding of where you fit in the world in Miller Race Cars. Um, but before we go down championship lane with you, tell us tell us the how, who, and when you got started in racing. Like, you know, how, how did all that come about for you? Um. Well, I mean, I, I was pretty much born into it, I guess you could say. My dad's raced. My dad raced before I was born, and uh, I, I grew up going to the racetracks, and that's all I've wanted to do for as long as I can remember. I, 
I remember back in the B&M series stuff when, and running around as a kid. And uh, just that's all he wanted to do was, was race like that. Yeah, and he was a championship racer in his own right, exceptional racer, and still has a ton of talent behind the wheel. So obviously following in his footsteps, Ray Ray, how old were you when you started? Uh, I got a junior director uh, uh, right before I turned 13. I raced it for a few years, and um, when I turned 16, I got my first dragster um it was a uh i just local bracket race really for a little while and uh, around later later time around 16 17 i started doing some of the bigger bracket races um and and just kind of gradually worked my way up um i started the nhra racing around 18 and mainly focused on my division level at that time and and uh, just just like i said gradually worked my way up i didn't dad didn't want to throw me in the big dollar bracket ranks and as a beginner and, and have me get my teeth kicked in by all the professionals and, and not want to do it no more. So he just kind of gradually broke, broke me in and, and got me better and better. And, and that's just, just worked my way up. Okay. And you're how old now? I just turned 30 last Thursday. Really? Wow. You're a little older than I thought you were. Yeah. You got kind of got a baby face yeah. on you there, brother. That's good. Good for you. Uh, now you wear those. <laughs> now you wear those teeth kicking boots. So, uh, you know, remember that. Go easy on the youngsters out there. Um, yeah. Ray, hey Ray, you had an incredible 2019 season. You know, while collecting your first world championship in an HRA competition. Um, oddly enough, it didn't come on the national level. You you were dominant in Division Two. You raced really well on the national level, uh, but. Inside the division, you were pretty dominant. Um, I think a couple of double ups in 2019, if I remember correctly. Uh, just one double up at Galat. I doubled okay. at Galat. Okay, doubled at Galat. I know you did it there. I was thinking you did it somewhere else. But um, is that fairly rare? I don't. I don't keep up with the the championship points chases that well luke would know a lot better than i but is that fairly rare for a racer to collect the world championship uh while not winning a national um it's not as rare as you would think um it's kind of odd it's that's why it is so elusive to win a world championship it's hard to have the divisional and the national score to go together um i had an exceptional divisional score last year um and and i had good nationals to go with it that's um but no it's it's been done before i think quite a few times where somebody that's actually won the world didn't win a national event um i know people that have won the world that actually hadn't won a national event in their in their career yet so when they won the world so it's not uh because you only score you don't run half the nationals that you run at the divisionals so it's it's harder to win the nationals yeah, no doubt, and and as we mentioned, both of us mentioned, you you raced really well on the on the national scene. A lot of, or I think several late round finishes. You know, maybe just short of collecting a Wally on a national event. So it wasn't like you went out there and raced like I would go race. You raced really well and uh, and helped your points chase for sure. But looks like it's it's very critical to put together a great divisional uh, season to to be in the hunt. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta have a good division score to go with it. Uh, I've I finished uh, I finished second before with I had a win, a runner up, a semi nationally, but didn't have the good division score to go with it. So it, it just I ended up finishing second. So. Yeah, yeah. Which um, you you've been in the hunt pretty much here for several seasons and, and finally collected that. But as far as going through the season, you, you got you know off to a good start with the divisionals and and raced well on the national scenes we talked about. But at what point, Ray Ray, did you feel like you had a, a legitimate shot at, at winning it? Um, I would say I felt like I had a legitimate shot after the double up at Galat. Um, I had done really good divisionally. I had some solid nationals. I had a good score going. But there was other people making moves. Um, there was Jonathan Anderson was doing real good out our way. Uh, out west, there was a guy uh, doing real good, and, and Luke was doing real good. And, uh, they were all making their moves while we were kind of sitting sitting still during a few months. And uh, I had a couple 
issues going and I, I, I got through and we went to Galat and, and when I doubled up at Galat, it put me back in front and I, I felt like my cars were really good and, and I felt like I had a shot at that point. And that was at what part of the season was the Galat uh, divisional? Um, I would say it was like two thirds of the way through probably. Okay. So it was still quite a bit of racing left, but you, you knew that you'd be in the yeah. hunt and, and could, uh, could put right. a legitimate chase on it. Uh, and you talked about the double up at Galati. You had a, you had a really good super gas season too. I mean, you, you perform really well there, obviously double up at Galati shows that you perform well, but a uh, good point season in division two in super gas. Yeah, I mean, uh, I started off. It's kind of I started off real, real hot in Supercomp, and kept it going decent throughout the year. Um, and then I kind of did the opposite in Super Gas. I started off a little slower, but turned it up towards the end of the year, and, and had a shot to win the championship of both at the end. Uh, and and fell just a few rounds short, but uh, I mean, it's uh, definitely an incredible season to be able to finish one in one car and fourth in the other car is unbelievable. Yes, it was exceptional, and and you uh, you're doing it in uh, you know the family truckster, so to speak. I mean, it's cars that not only is from your family race car shop, but cars that you yourself have had a, a hand in building and putting together. You know them front to back, top to bottom. Um, that has to that has to put a little extra special feel on it, Ray Ray, to to know that you're doing it in your your family business race cars. Yeah, it does, uh, and I believe that that also helps me as a as a racer to know my my equipment as as well as I do, um, and it helps me with business to to not to be a racer and and know the things I need to change in cars and make better that to to sell to customers. So it's a it's a win win for us. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that that you guys are business people first and racers second. So. You know, if a if a competitor wants a, a Miller race car, they know they're getting your best effort to to give them as competitive a car as you put together for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, we we run our business first. We don't race for a living. We we work building race cars for a living, and, and racing is a, a hobby. Um, we just try to do as best we can at it and, and have some success doing it. Yeah, I'd say that's the understatement of uh, of the year so far, Ray Ray. Um, you, you guys, both of you, have been <laughs> ultra successful, and obviously that's why we're talking to you tonight. But So you, you get the double up at Galat, the points are totaled up, and you're feeling like, you know, there's a, there's a shot at this. Um, did the plan start changing there to make the trip out west, or did how did that all play out? Yeah, I mean, we actually had planned, we went out west the year before, and we had a really good time, and uh, talked to a ton of people out there, so we actually had kind of planned on going out west for business purposes anyways, um, and things worked out, we talked to a couple customers, we were actually able to deliver a couple cars out there even while we went, and it worked worked uh, a lot even better out in, in that aspect too, but uh, we decided, we really had decided to go to Vegas before that. Um, and then in Pomona is kind of being here in Vegas, you kind of go usually, but, uh, obviously when you have a shot to win the world, we, we obviously are going to go to Pomona, but, uh, yeah, we actually had plans to do Vegas before that. Excellent. Okay. So it didn't, didn't change your plans any, you were going anyway, and, and it just put a little extra special touch on it when you were able to go out there and seal up your championship, your, your hard fought championship, um, where yeah. was the where was the championship sealed, Ray Ray? Uh, what uh, what race were you at, and what run sealed it? Uh, we were at Pomona before it was finally done. Um, I had a an incredible score, um, but there was still a, a gentleman out west that could catch me. Um, he had they had the, the Vegas Vegas Pomona open to to he could still better his races. Um, he didn't do very well at the first two Vegases. Um, and if I, I could have sealed it if I won fourth round at the Vegas Divisional and I lost. So I had, had to go to Pomona. And um, he, had to win, he had to win the race, basically, to, to pass me. Um, and there was nothing I could do because I was out of, out of claims. But 
he ended up losing the second round Saturday morning at Pomona, and uh, and that was it. And when you lost in Vegas with a chance to seal it fourth round, were you in the fourth round? I think I was in the third round, actually. In the third, okay. So that wasn't wasn't too bitter there. So you you seal no. the deal. You seal the deal when when that competitor exits the program uh, round two in Pomona. What was that? What was that feeling like, Ray Ray? Uh, it was incredible. Uh, something you've chased for so long, uh, and to finally accomplish it, it's uh, it's a feeling. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but it's incredible. Yeah, it had to be amazing, you know, that that far from home. And uh, I know you had some family with you there to to help you enjoy the moment. And, um, you know, you fought so hard and you've raced so well for the last several years to to put yourself in that position. And for one reason or another, just didn't work your way, but it finally did. I, I can only imagine how that finally felt to you to get that. I won't say monkey off your back because you the monkey hasn't been on your back. You've raced so well, um, but it, it had to finally feel good to know that you got what you've been chasing so hard. Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was definitely awesome. And you know you are you're kind of in rare air. Uh, I mean, you you've been very successful in bracket racing as well. Um, not that those skills don't transfer, because I think. Uh, folks like Luke Bogacki and, uh, you know, the Williams and Labuses of the world show that, you know, good racers do both very well. But you have won the original million. Um, you know, definitely not not uh, trying to inject myself into this conversation that way, but it was one of my favorite calls ever on the microphone. Yeah. Um, it just, I don't know, it just... It was it was an awesome moment watching. It was a great run between you and Ricky Jones, and so you've won that, and you've now won an NHRA championship in Supercomp. You know, can you compare those two feelings? Are they two totally different feelings? Are they much the same? How do you how do you categorize that? You know, in some ways they're a lot the same. Uh, I would say in bracket racing, there's no such thing as a world championship. But I would consider the million to be, you know, the biggest thing there is uh, in bracket racing. Um, so in, in that feeling, they're kind of the same. Uh, the, the NHRA championship was so special because it was hard to get, and I, I, I chased it for so much, so many years, and put so much effort into it. Um, but they were both, they're both, uh, they're both really special, and I'd say they're about the same. I couldn't couldn't put one above the other really. The, the million was an unbelievable feeling too. That was. I was a lot younger when I won that. It was unreal. Yeah, uh, you were several years younger, um, but you know you had again raced well on that scene for some time then. So it it, it wasn't like it was a shock to anyone that you you collected that win. And you know you, uh, you I remember that that night that day just watching run after run. You 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 made good runs. You, you hit the tree the way you wanted to and. You know, you have a you have a knack for uh, doing what has to be done at the finish line. Um, you know, that's a that's a special talent of yours. I, I know I'm not. I don't want to set you up to brag on yourself, but I, I know I'm not telling you something you don't know. But you uh, you don't make very many mistakes at the finish line. It's uh, it's definitely something that you should be proud of. I appreciate that. Um, so you're at the banquet now. Uh, in California as a national champion uh, come up short a few times as we talked about so you, you finally you've gone out there you've got the win you've got the, the trophy you're standing on stage now as a as a world champion what did that feel like in the moment at the banquet it's surrounded by all those other champions and and finally living a moment that I know you dreamed about uh I would say it was really cool. Um, it was it was awesome. It was really neat. Uh, I, it was better than I I could have expected. It really. Um, when the the time came that it, I actually had won it, a lot of friends that have done it before, you know, kind of come in and and told me what all we had to do because you've never done it, you don't know. You got to go get your rent, your tuxedos, and all this stuff. And uh, it was really it was really cool. The the time 
that you spend getting up to the banquet. And then the actual banquet was awesome. We had a good time. Um, and uh, it was just really cool to be surrounded by champions and, and actually finally be one yourself was, was unbelievable. You're a pretty reserved guy. You, you know, I think those that know you know that you're not like the the – uh, I hate to say the life of the party, but you you just kind of sit back and soak it all in when I've observed you. Um, was that uncomfortable? Like you were the you're the main attraction in Supercomp now. You you were the the center of the stage, you know, at the podium. Was that uncomfortable for you, or did you you didn't let it bother you? Oh, I try not to let it bother me, but uh, it, it did a little bit, I guess you could say. I'm not uh, like I said, I'm not the uh, my life of the party. I'm not the uh, I'm not that outgoing of a person. I try to keep quiet, keep to myself. So I just, uh, <laughs> when it comes time to give my speech, it's usually a small one, and and uh, I just thank the people I got to thank, and, and, and that's it. But uh, but you gotta, <laughs> the, the guy that did the alcohol funny car champion, when he did his speech, it was really good, and and we were talking later, and he's like, you know, he says you just gotta gotta wing it and be the life of the party and all this stuff. He's telling me basically exactly what you're saying, and I was. <laughs> I'm not that person usually, but uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I figured you had to break out of your shell a little bit to to get that done. But um, you know, I, I can remember. I had, to, I, had to, I had to have a little, a little bit of liquid courage to get up there, and, and, and that was good. <laughs> I can remember interviewing you uh, after you won the million, and uh, you know. I, I know there's tons of emotion and a lot of thoughts going through your head, but you you didn't. You didn't uh, get too wild and crazy on the mic. You you just soaked it all in, which I I fully expect that's how you handled your NHRA championship as well, which is not a bad thing at all. But I just wondering if if that moment was uncomfortable. But sound like um sound like an adult beverage or two, and you you were loose and you were uh, lubricated and ready to go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, 2020s obviously started off oddly. Uh, but it started off well. Um, what's your plans for 2020 once things get back going? I guess much the same. Yeah, um, like we're all kind of on standby right now. Um, yeah, we had uh, we had every, just gotten everything together for Gainesville. Um, got all the motors back and freshened and and put them in cars and and really we just. Just got the cars ready before the Gainesville Division race. Uh, went down and ran the Gainesville Division race in the Gators. And halfway through the Gators is when all those deals started, and then kind of everything was getting shut down. So uh, we haven't got to do a ton of racing this year, but when it all starts back up, we'll probably probably chase the NHRA stuff if we can. I'm not sure what kind of point system or what we're going to have when the time comes, but uh, we'll probably do that and. And I actually want to do some more bracket racing a little bit. I, I've I've missed that a lot in the last handful of years chasing that HRA stuff, and, and I'd like to do a little bit more of it. Yeah, there's a lot available, obviously, from a money standpoint on the bracket racing scene, the big bracket racing scene, which I'm sure is where you'll focus when and if you do get those opportunities. So uh, that was going to be a question was, did you plan much bracket racing for the year? Um you talked about being in Gainesville. I mean, a Gator Nationals win had to feel pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's another one that uh, I would say is we got the monkey off our back on that one. I've, I've, that was our, our home race, being from Florida. Um, so I grew up as a, as a little kid going to that one every year. And you want to win that one so bad. And we've been so close so many times between me and my dad. We've been in the finals or semi so many times. And, uh, to finally get a Gator Nationals win uh, was was really awesome. Uh, it was on unreal day, and it's uh, a little different because everybody got sent home, but it's still a Gator <laughs> Nationals win in the end. You darn right it is, and the, the competitor in other lane was just as tough. You had a tough path to get that uh, Gator Nationals Wally, and uh, I invite our listeners to go back and look at Gator Nationals results and look at your box score. It was. It was impressive, a uh, very impressive day of racing for you. So congratulations on starting your 2020 season so well and, and getting a, a win that had some sentimental value to you as well. And, um, you know, really hoping for uh, just this, 
the same results for you in 2020 or, or better if that's even possible and hoping to see you out here at the big bracket races here and there. Thank you. So lastly, kind of lastly, but not all the way lastly, um, nobody races at the level that you race at without some help from people. Uh, I know there's people that help your racing program and um, definitely don't want to put you on the spot here, but who does who is the people that who are the people that help you get to and and down the racetrack, Ray Ray? Okay, um, well, I, first I got to start with my family, um, my mom and my dad. Um, they put everything they they can into my racing program and and support me a hundred and ten percent. My girlfriend Jamie, she's been very supportive with me, and it's uh, I got to thank her a lot. Um, I got to thank the family business, Miller Race Cars. Um, they build awesome race cars, and uh, and it shows. Uh, our equipment uh, is second to none out there, and I I uh, attribute a lot of my winning to my cars and my equipment and um, the way that I mean that, that my cars are consistent, and, and that helps helps me win a lot. Uh, Mickey Thompson, Tommy at Mickey Thompson. He uh, helps me with tires. Uh, Strange Engineering. FTI transmissions and converters, Penske shocks, VP racing fuels, Aeromotive fuel systems. Uh, Gary Stinnett, he's our uh, carburetor and throttle stops and does some motor work for us. And uh, he's a four-time world champion, so you can't go wrong there. And uh, Oakley Performance uh, Motorsports, they do our, they do the engines in my car. And Todd's Extreme Paint, he uh, keeps them looking good. Yeah, you guys put out beautiful cars, and I know those are companies you use for your customers as well. And uh, you name some some iconic brands in uh, in our industry. I know from your family to Jamie, which is, Jamie's a successful racer in her own right, and and all the people that support your race car from a manufacturing standpoint. I know those people are super proud of you, Ray Ray. Um, congrats again on a on an amazing season and accomplishing a, a huge goal and definitely wishing more of the same for you going forward this year and beyond. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Now that kind of wraps things up, Ray Ray. I, you're, you're a busy guy. You got, you know, girlfriends and race cars and traveling all over the place and work. So you, I don't know how much you know about the podcast, but we're not quite done. So, we, when we okay. interview someone, we got a little something we call rapid fire. Now, we've got to know a lot about your racing program through this interview, but this helps us get to know who Ray Miller the Third really is. And I got a few okay. questions for you if you're okay with that. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ray. Ray, what's your favorite thing to eat for breakfast? Uh, I, I like omelets. Omelets. Okay. Sounds sounds good. Um, what scares you the most? Uh, well, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, heights, I guess. I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> you know, I am too terrified of them. That's exactly how I would answer that question. What is the sport you wish you were great at, but you suck at it? Boy, um... That's an odd one because I didn't play a lot of sports as a kid. I, I was a I was a drag racing so. <laughs> um, <laughs> boy, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I guess uh, football. I, I, that'd be one. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you just picked one out of thin air right there. You really didn't care about that question. That's okay. It's all right. Mine would have been <laughs> mine would have been golf, but it's fine. Uh, I thought about that because a lot of drag racers golf, but I guess that's the one you go with too. Do you even own some golf clubs? No. Okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> Terrible question for you. I apologize. What is your favorite <laughs> social media site? Um, well, I'm really, I guess, I guess you have to go with Facebook. I don't really have a favorite one. That's about the only one I'm on, and I don't do much of it on there, but I guess you have to go with Facebook. Yeah, I've looked at your social media presence. Um, you know, it looks like folks tag you and stuff, and they reach out to you. They want more Ray Ray, but you're just not giving it to them, brother. I mean, 
You are a <laughs> national a, champion I'm, and a million dollar race winner. You got to get yourself out there. I'll, I'll take that advice there. I'm, I'm a little weak in that department. So. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather read a book or watch a movie? Watch a movie. Me and you both. I can't stand to read. What is your favorite fruit? Oh, man. I, don't, I have no idea. Um, I don't even... Ray Ray. I, I, guess, I guess banana. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, brother. I mean, you're not much of a fruit either. I like mangoes. <laughs> I like mangoes. Hey, we'll go with mangoes. You know, I expected it to be watermelon because that's mine, but, you know, it is what it is. Banana or mango, whatever. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I could ask you this all night, by the way, are these questions. Now, this is my last one, but I could ask them all night because I've known you for years, but I don't really know you. So I'm getting to know the real right. Ray Miller third right here, and I'm sad that this is the last question. But for some reason, this was one I just wanted to ask you. What time do you go to bed, and what time do you wake up? Uh, I go to bed late, as late as I can. Usually, usually it's eleven o'clock or so, and uh, I wake up as late as I can. <laughs> Probably about seven. Okay, <laughs> eleven to seven—that's solid eight hours. I was just wondering how many hours of sleep you get. Yeah, that's, that's usually it. unless I'm in a bracket race, then I get like three a.m. to seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about the schedule. All right, Ray Ray, uh, man, I appreciate you taking some time for us, and uh, it was great to hear about your season, and and uh, really proud for you and how well everything went. Glad to hear things are going well at Miller Race Cars. Hopefully, our listeners, when they're in the market, they give you a call and uh, let you take them start to finish on a new build and a high quality build at that. But um, all in all, just wishing you much more success in 2020, and really appreciate you giving us some time tonight. I appreciate the interview and uh, looking forward to talking to y'all again. Thank you. Yeah, bud. Hopefully we'll see you soon at uh, one of the big bracket races. Uh, But until then, take care of yourself, stay safe, be healthy, and uh, keep knocking them out there at Miller Race Cars. All right, buddy. Will do. All right, Ray Ray. See you, man. All right, bud. See you. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.